On this epic Sega talk, we discuss Shiny Force 3 and its three scenarios. The last Shiny Force game made by the original developers. We talk about the game's development, the fallout between Sega and the original developers. All this and more on this shining episode of Sega Talk. SegaBits presents Sega Talk, a podcast talking all things with your hosts, George and Barry. Hello and welcome to Sega Talk episode 119. I'm your host, George, and with me is my shiny force comrade, Barry. What's up, gamers? <laughs> That's the, the perfect intro for this episode. Um, I've been what, watching what a lot of YouTube videos, and they're always doing the first frame, it's this. And I know what right. they're going to say. They're going to go, What's up? <laughs> right, right. I would say. I wouldn't. I should be a hello. Oh, I don't know. Just get into the content, maybe. I don't know. You but, go, hey, diddle, diddle, my cats, cool cats. So, in, in yeah, that's what I would say. Actually, uh, I'm a cool cat hey, fan diddle, myself. Diddle. So, so um, I was gonna say, in Shining Force, there's a bunch of these like centaurs, elves, fairies, uh, humans. Uh, what kind of uh, person would you be if you had a persona? I guess, but in shining force universe i think it would be interesting to be a centaur because then you could run around like a horse i don't want to be one forever but like if i was dropped into it for like a month or a a day or a week or whatever i'd i'd try centaur because anything else it's like what you're like an elf with like pointy ears that's lame Eh, yeah that is lame centaur or an orc or like a god there's like a goblin in well you don't want to be that i I mean i would so that rides a, a orc you know, that way right. I don't have to do anything. Just like it. But if I if I was um, in Fantasy Star Online, I would be a, uh, what is it, a Newman? The pointy-eared guys? Right. Because because then I could hit on the Huna Whirls. Oh. You know? You're, you're, you got a pervy reason. <laughs> I, I like it. I love them. you have a purpose. I love them. I love them it that moves. you have a purpose. So, um, who hunter, visit my website, whohunter.com. <laughs> um, so, uh, on this episode, we're obviously talking about Shining Force 3, which is a Patreon pick, and I'll let Barry plug in Ooh. our Patreon. Ooh, plug it in. So, we are on patreon.com slash Seagerbits, S E G A B I T S, and for as little as a dollar a month, you can get this audio podcast a up to a week in advance, if not more so. Uh, you can also, at higher levels, receive a video early. You can pick what we talk about. You can uh, be in the know on little exclusive tidbits that we sometimes drop in there. Uh, I've been doing like a little video diary of my move. So I've been just dropping little videos of me packing up and me unpacking. I'm actually, uh, at least on this side, kind of pretty much done um though some of the furnitures like i you know when you move and you bring furniture with you and you kind of work with what you got but you're like eh, it, it could be better you know um oh. so i i think on the latest latest video i kind of show 
the IKEA cabinets and how they can store a lot of games, but like they're three rows. There's like three rows, and you know, like if I want a game in the back, I gotta move a bunch of shit. So, um, that's that's what the the fun Patreon content you can <laughs> expect right now. Um, but yeah, so this this episode is actually a Patreon pick, so I'm looking forward to reading their memories and giving them a shout out, which you could get if you support us. And please support us, please. <laughs> please We're, we've been we've been we've been at the same amount for months and it's it, right. we need to go up yeah not down you, it, not sideways not the same up yes up so what who picked this episode and what are their memories well if you must ask then i will answer it's michael s they picked Shining Force 3, which is this week's episode, and their memory was, <laughs> I got a good deal on this on eBay and got to play it recently. I really liked it and would say it's my favorite Saturn game so far. The strategy part was the best part. I would find myself thinking, oh, I could have done this or used this player to win when I wasn't playing the game. Wish I could play the other two episodes. Wow. He got a yeah. deal on it. How much do you think he got? Like he paid for? Because I've been looking at it, and it's like five hundred bucks. I'd like to know too. Yeah, because I, I mean, I've got a couple Saturn games that are a good, a hefty sum, um, but I don't have any Shining games. I have Resident Evil, uh, Burning Rangers, and a crummy top, crummy copy of Panzer Dragoon Saga. But it's it's still the discs, <laughs> you know. So, remember when, like, uh, Pen's Dragoon Saga was, like, 300 bucks on eBay, and everyone was like, oh, my God, that's way too much. I'll never pay that. And now it's, like, over $1,000 for a complete version of it. So, that's it's insane. like, these games are probably not going to get cheaper, sadly. So, if he got a, a price that he's comfortable playing, paying for it, um, I'm more power to them because I don't feel like Oof. they're ever going to drop what wow. you're giving yeah. me that four fifty for which one? Shining Force or Shining Force three 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 fifty yeah. to four. Here's one with no with manual no case for three fifty. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of money because these games disc only two fifty. I feel like back like even ten years ago it was way less than that like maybe a hundred. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oof, that's rough. So, as you just heard today, we will be talking about Shining Force 3, which was released in Japan in 1997 and in North America and Europe in 1998, which is literally the end of the Saturn's lifespan. While the game saw three separate releases and a premium disc in Japan, we only got the first scenario here in the U.S. In the previous episode, we sort of discussed our history with SRPGs. Um, That was the Shining Force 2 episode, which you could probably see somewhere on the card on top. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're on YouTube, um, which is a pretty niche genre. Like, I don't think that, like, there's people that love JRPGs, which is a huge, like, a bigger genre. And then the SRPGs are, like, a tiny fraction of those people. Mm-hmm. So, Barry, what is your history yeah. with Shining Force 3? Uh, the game's a big deal with hardcore Sega collectors. Um, but uh, do you own it, or and have you seen it in the flesh? Uh, I have seen it in the flesh. I feel like it's it actually is like it sounds weird to say, but like it's a common rare game. Like I always will see it in the glass case before Burning Rangers, which I I've 
hardly ever see Panzer Dragoon Saga, which I've probably seen twice. Uh, what else comes to mind? Like I never see uh, Resident Evil, but this one, yeah, I see fairly often. Um, I'm not sure why. Maybe it had a larger run, but it's still highly sought after. Um, but no, I don't own it. I actually, I, I think on Shining Force 2's episode, I, I said that I don't own any of the Shining Force games outside of compilations and um, re-release, like digital re-releases. But I don't have mm. like an original. I don't have any. I don't think I have any like Game Boy Advance or you know like any versions like that. I really just have compilations and rely on emulation, especially in the case of this one, uh, which I haven't not actually played. Okay, so. That well, that's an interesting thing because when people pick episodes, we're always like, "Oh shoot, did I play this game?" And then we're like, oh, "We have to cover a game we didn't actually play." SRPGs are like a very niche genre, which is kind of weird because this developer kind of does not make niche games anymore. They make the most mainstream games of all time, so it's weird that they right. kind of started their life making these niche SRPG type games. Um, it's not my. It's not, Shining Force. I like it. I think there's a lot of cool aspects to it. But my favorite Sega SRPG is Valkyria Chronicles. Uh, something about it. I love the art style and stuff. Um, but this game is actually. I played most of the first scenario, and I no, I beat the first scenario. But then, so there, I played the translation version of the game. Um, that's been that we'll talk about during this episode, but. Um, the only issue I have is I play it on hardware, and people are saying I should just play it on emulator because I always get corrupt save files. So you're playing like 30 mm. hours of a game, enjoying it, and then you have to go back. It's like, oh, come on. Why are you doing this to me? Like, Once you get this corrupt save file for a game that is over 30 hours, it's really annoying to try to go back and replay it over and over. And then you're like, what happens if I get another corrupt save file? Do I have to play it again? Right. So how many times can I go back and play this game? You know, it's like, guys, so once I figure out the corrupt save file, I'll finally complete all three episodes. I, I would rather play it on hardware. I don't know if I'm just being really bad about this. I just like the idea of playing it on actual hardware with a memory card. Like, it should be back in the old school days. Um, but maybe that's just me. Do you do you like emulation or do you, are you more into, like, playing it on hardware? Um, when it comes to Dr Saturn and Dreamcast, I prefer hardware. I've never had good emulated uh, efforts from those. Um, uh, but anything like Genesis, Master System, I, like it's it's one to one with me. Like I have, I don't know if you can see behind me, but I have got the EverDrive, and it's never left. Like I have right. no reason to plug in anything, not even for like nostalgia. It's like why do why do I need to play Sonic One when I have Sonic One in the Everdrive, but um, I actually did just get a broadband adapter for my Dreamcast. It's been something Ooh. I've long wanted, so I'm really looking forward to just like going on the internet <laughs> with with my Dreamcast uh, for the first time in 20 years. So what are you gonna look at? Porn? Our site? No. Yeah, um, porn. I mean that's what our we site, did back in the day. <laughs> uh, yeah, but but what what kind of spurned it? Spawned it? I don't know what the word is. Um, is that our whole house is wired for Ethernet? So there's actually oh. an Ethernet port right behind there. And then in this closet in front of me, there's like a big switchboard. And I can pick up to three rooms to be wired, or three or four rooms, however my um, my router will allow. So it's kind of cool that I can, like, I don't have to run a wire through the house. Like, it's right there. 
So it's going to be slick. I've got the keyboard. i got my mouse. Uh, I'm going to be on the internet with my Dreamcast. And then I can play Fancy Star Online. I'm gonna really say, looking forward you, to that. You could try to get a, a couple of other people. There has to be a couple of people that watch this uh, podcast that play on their Dreamcast. Because I know there's a fan server. Or mm-hmm. maybe you could just drop into random games and team up with random people and do some sort of... Uh, maybe even a stream if people are interested in it. But... Yeah, go on. You wanted to talk. No, I was just going to say, I think that would be a fun Sega Talk episode is Fantasy Star Online 2023. So we just like talk about what it's like to play the game in modern times. I thought that, I think that might be a fun. Yeah, it could actually, actually, that's actually kind of, or maybe just the online idea of games. Like, I I know there's a limit. Right. The modern Dreamcast online scene would be interesting and seeing how uh, it's shaped up, how the audience is. I don't know how many people are like hooking up their Dreamcast. There's like that step of getting that broadband adapter and then like getting the the right internet and all that stuff. So I don't know how it is. I do know there's a website that has all the games that they've put back up online. So right. that could be interesting. But um, today we're talking about the development of uh, Shining Force. Do you remember that game, Shining Force? I 3? do. Yes. And so um, on this episode, first. Shining Force 3 is also the last game created by Sonic Software Planning, which I feel like it's a, they're not really knowing that Sonic Software Planning. Everyone knows them as Camelot. Um, even though the team was named after Sonic's Blue Hedgehog, they've actually never developed a Sonic the Hedgehog game. Uh, Sonic Software Planning was originally established in 1991 when Sega got ex producer Hiroyuki Takasashi who uh, who previously helped establish Climax Entertainment, who did Shining in the Darkness, Shining One, Landstalker games. Um, he and uh, uh, Hiroyuki was kind of known because he was an assistant producer in Dragon Quest IV, which is like one of the most popular Dragon Quest games of all time. So Sega's like poaching talent from this company, and they're like, you could have your own your own team. Who decided to call them Sonic Software Planning? I have no idea. Uh, I don't know if they ever had ideas of them making Sonic games or anything. But what are your thoughts on Sonic Software Planning? Not only using Sonic's name, but also their likeness for the company (laughs) and never even producing these Sonic games. It's scummy pandering to, to Sonic fans thinking they'll buy anything that has the Sonic name. And they'll, no, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it is odd, but I guess it was like almost out of pride for their mascot. Right. Um, but you got to imagine, like, imagine if there was a Nintendo developer named Mario Software Planning, and it's like, oh, what do they make? And they're like, oh, they make Star Fox. And, <laughs> you and, know? And the, the funny part is with Nintendo, they're not they're still Camelot, but they make Mario sports games. So right. you would think that when they go with Mar- with Nintendo, they would just call themselves Mario Software Planning. Like, it would have been right. a more apt name uh, for them. But it's- I think it would have been sick if they actually just evolved to make uh, Sonic Sport titles. Mm. Uh, because I feel like that's something that Sega never actually took advantage of. Uh, making different genres as much as Nintendo did with Mario, right? In a way, Smilebit became that. Right. Right? Um, yeah. Smilebit and what is it? U- I think UGA, part part of UGA is doing that too. I could right. be wrong, but like Smilebit or Sonic Team kind of 
gobbled up those developers, and then they were like, you make Mario and Sonic until you die. So. Poor guys. Can you imagine <laughs> being like, oh, yeah, we made all these games. No, 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 no. You know the Olympics? That's you yeah. now. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's you now. Um, uh, the way the development worked with Sonic Software Planning what would be they handled programming and design, while sound and graphics were handled by other teams like Climax Entertainment. Um, in 1994, Hiro- uh, Hiroyuki Taka- Takashi's brother, Shujo, established Camelot Software Planning, which led both companies to work together on Shining Force 3. In mm. 1998, after Shining Force 3 was complete, Sonic... So- well, actually, I think the people said it happened in 95, so this is a bad note. Uh, Sonic Software and Planning merged with Camelot, and uh, Hiroyuki, the guy from Sof- Sonic Software Planning, basically took over as Camelot's director, which he directed Shining Force 3. Now he's kind of just a producer, actually, in the Mario games. He doesn't actually do any more directing or writing like he does. Mm. I feel like Shining Force 3 was the last game he actually took full control over. So if you're a fan of his, this is basically his crowning jewel. Um, While most Sega fans think of Camelot Software Planning as owned by Sega all the way until Shining Force 3 released, the studio was actually independent in 1995. Uh, They actually developed Beyond the Beyond... Uh, for the PlayStation and Everybody's Golf, aka Hotshot Golf, uh, in North America for the PlayStation One. Um, ha- have you played uh, Hotshot Golf or Beyond the Beyond? And did you know back in the day that the guys that were involved making the golfing Hotshot Golf? Actually, I thought back in the day, I remember a lot of people talking about Hotshot Golf. I don't know why, but I guess it was just like I remember really that. Fun. Yeah, so yeah, it was a super popular, popular game. Yeah, so um, do you remember them, and did you know they were the same guys that did Shining Force games, or at least Shining Force 3? Not at all. That's kind of surprising. Right. <laughs> I- I'm surprised about that, too. And you remember when Hot Shot Golf was like a big deal on the PlayStation 1, right? Because I remember a mm-hmm. lot of people pl- talking about it. Like, it's one of the biggest, I don't know. I never heard too many people talk about golf games. Like, oh, my God. But even Sega fans had golf games they liked. Pebble Beach, <laughs> remember? You have fond memories of that game? No. <laughs> okay. I'm just saying, there's a lot of golf games. Some people like golf games. Uh, I think Hot Shot Golf is oh. actually a really fun golf game. Golden Tee is peak. Peak golf right. game. So uh, I do I do see the appeal of golf games, especially arcadey ones. And Hot Shot Golf was a great one. It's kind of surprising that Sega never took advantage of it on the Saturn. Like, make me a golf game with Sonic in it. Instead, they went and made one on PlayStation, which is kind of weird, but... Right. mm. Oddly enough, Camelot Software hasn't been too vocal about their development for Shining Force 3 or their relationship with Sega. What we do know is that software, uh, Sonic Software and Planning and Camelot Software waited to develop Shining Force 3 for the Sega Saturn all the way until the end, because according to uh, Takayashi... In an interview, via the premium disc of the game, he's kind of talked a little bit about it. This is his quote. He said, We were told to make Shining Force 3 from the beginning of the Sega Saturn console, but we intentionally wanted to wait until the Sega Saturn reached its peak. That that was one thing. Also, we didn't want to publish something incomplete. In a sense, the next generation consoles were said to be the Saturn and the PlayStation. 
Instead of producing the game together with the consoles, we thought it would be best if we wait until these consoles had reached their full potential. If we would have produced the game right after the Saturn was released, it may not have looked as good as it turned out in the end. The issue was that by 1997, Sega of America and Europe had mostly given up on the Sega Saturn and were getting ready to work on its successor, the Dreamcast. So instead of the game being released in the West as Shining Force Scenario 1, the God Warrior of the Kingdom, it was simply called Shining Force 3, and it had its ending rewritten so it wouldn't leave in such a cliffhanger in the West. <laughs> it, 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 and it came out in 1998. That year, Sega only released 12 games on the Sega Saturn. Shining Force 3 was one of the last games. Uh, the only other game that beat it was Magic Knight Ray Earth which came out four months later after Shining Force 3. So mm-hmm. it was literally the second last officially released Sega Saturn game. Do you think the fact that Sonic Software Planning and Camelot didn't get to release their full version of uh, Shining Force 3 outside of Japan made their relation, like kind of fractured their relationship with Sega and made them never work with the publisher again? <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be pissed off. Yeah, I, I don't right. think that's very good form. You know, and, uh, we see that a lot too. We saw that with um, what's that one game that like Hundred Swords? Remember that? It was Smile right. Bit, like PC, I think RPG. Never made it over here. Right, and uh, I think it's uh, sad that they had this like grand vision for this game uh, that spanned two years basically to release it all from different perspectives, um, and they never got every perspective out. Um, I also think that it's weird because they could have just released all three of them the same year if they really wanted to, or maybe just one package and ate up the... Just release it as a three-disc game. It's not like three-disc games weren't a normal thing back in the day, but I guess translating all the text would have been taxing for Sega because all three games put together, it's about 130 hours of gameplay. Wow. And that's not even talking about text. Um, Also, while... It seems like it's a good idea to wait for a console to be matured enough to uh, for sales. It, this kind of bit them in the ass, and I do wonder if they kind of knew that the Sega Saturn was going to die out. Like they had to know that Stoller or whatever said, "Oh yeah, we're not producing Sega Saturn games anymore." I think it was like really remember the the right. whole the whole event that oh yeah uh, the sh- Saturn is dead. Dreamcast is the uh, next game. So to me, it's like I'm surprised they didn't just move the game onto Dreamcast. Like, oh, let's just make it on Dreamcast and release it complete. But I wonder how that went. Like, did they know about this? Did they know every Sega's plan about the console, or did they just act ignorant and continued moving forward? Uh yeah, it's it's hard to say. I feel like they were maybe taking it one game at a time, but they knew they weren't going right. to do the. They knew that I. Well, I think at the time they didn't look at um, video game RPG fans the same as they do now. They were just like, well, they're getting their game. They don't need two more. They're getting Shining Force 3. We can tell them what it... We don't need to tell them that they're missing out on something. As long as they're getting something, they'll be fine. Like, (laughs) I wouldn't be shocked if back in the 90s they were even, like, looking at multi-disc games and they're like, let's just release disc one to America and give it a new ending, (laughs) you know? I guess the uh, the game that kind of uh, is like this is Shimu, right? In a way where like they did scenarios, but as full games as well. 
I guess mm. not really scenarios, but they just call it one, two, and three, right? But right, right. I, at least this one came out. Like, I know it didn't come out officially in America. We don't have an official translation, but there's a fan translation, and it's complete to the end. I mean, if you really wanted to play, That's it, a you good could. Point. So mm. I don't know. I'm a, I'm I'm a little torn. I kind of wish that Sega would have still worked with them, being like, let's release it on Dreamcast, even if it looks just a, a bit upgraded for the Dreamcast. But right. Instead of just letting them uh, leave to uh, Nintendo, I think that was a big mistake. Like, just going, oh, yeah, you can go ahead and work with anybody you want. We don't care. And then never working with them again. I think that was a big mistake. But mm-hmm. maybe it's just me because I actually kind of do like the Mario sports games. So I kind of wish they would make Sonic sport games. Like, I would love to see Sonic golf and Sonic uh, tennis. Um, it's funny because be the, last, the last game they released, the... Uh, the Mario Golf on Switch, people have mm-hmm. been talking super smack about it, about how like it's so short and simple, and I'm like, yeah, they've all been simple, so I don't know. Um, so let's talk mm. about the covers for these games. The game had three covers, uh, North American, Europe, and Japan. This is the North American one, the one we, you know and you've seen in the flesh. Um, yeah. Was it this red when it came when you saw it in the flesh? Because I feel like whoever scanned this made it a little more red than it should be. Yeah, I, I think that scanning is off. Right, yeah. that's what I was thinking too when I was looking at it. But besides that, it's this is actually cropped. Uh, it, it, it's not really the greatest cover in the world. I'm just happy that they didn't try to make it a CGI cover like they did a lot in uh, in America. Remember in North America where like every cover oh my had God, this yeah. CGI. So mm-hmm. I'm happy for that. Um, I do. I always like the way that they pop out randomly. Where like, it the character was like, uh, you can see the character going above the uh, Sega logo, like the Sega Saturn logo, like it's like popping out at you. Um, yeah. This is the uh, Europe version, which I don't know. I've seen this one online so much, but people are saying it's the rarest one. So Ooh. it's it's a cool cover because it has more characters than the North American one and. Symbios actually looks like himself instead of like the other one with the red hair. Um, the right. Japanese one is the full art. I don't know how I feel about it. I hate the uh, the glare they put. The I don't know what they call it. There's a Photoshop filter for that. What's it called? With the sword, the little like lens oh, flare. Oh, it, it's yeah, lens flare. Yeah, I hate the way it looks because it's just like reminds me of like me messing around with a Photoshop and going <laughs> every picture needs to have this. Um, but yeah, I think it's a little distracting because I'm pretty sure it was just like Photoshop version one and they're like, add the lens flare to that. Yeah. But yeah. besides that, the artwork is cool. I like it. Uh, I don't know why his hair is that red uh, and brown because the character does not have red hair like that. It makes it look like he has red hair. Oh yeah, but, it does. Uh, yeah. So it's weird. So let's talk about the story behind the game. The team behind the game called the storytelling of having three scenarios, a new concept called synchronicity. Can't even say that word. Uh, and Hiro uh, Yuki Takayashi said in the interview, "Both new and old players of the series will realize this when they play it. It's a whole new, it's a whole different way of experiencing a story. This is thanks to the data that carries over from one scenario to the next." There are many things to do in each scenario. 
We are doing something that no other media can do. I'm not ha trying to sell you on this game, but I think this game will bring you a lot of fun. So before <laughs> the idea of uh, Shimu, you know how in Shimu that you carry over data, which is supposed to be collectibles and stuff. This game let you carry over your party, uh, not really party, but uh, choices you made and characters. So if you don't get a character in one scenario, they won't appear in the next scenario as a background character or whatever for text. It was kind of minor in my opinion, but uh, it, it was a lot more, um, what can I say, impactful than it was in uh, Shimyu. I think Shimyu was kind of cop out. I know we had one and two, but like it was just items you, you acquired from the first uh game because it, like you could start the game with a fresh set of items it wouldn't have really mattered too much but it was kind of cool to carry your uh capsule toys but now with mm. shimmy 3 they kind of like erased all that idea um, yeah, i didn't like that yeah so uh i like that aspect of the game that it carried over your save data which is something that a lot of this game really reminds me of Shimyu, right? Like ideas that they did here. Shimyu was like, oh, maybe we should carry over data from each uh, episode or sequel. Um, I think it's hard to fulfill and make it kind of like unique. I think you could have a grand scheme or a grand uh, picture of it. But like, has there, was there really that many games on the Dreamcast and Saturn that like choices you made really did change the game because i feel like you always go down the same path but you always have these optional characters right yeah i'm i'm trying to think of a dreamcast one that would do that shenmue like the, but yeah I, I maybe skies of arcade i mean that one was only one game but like if you made like if you did some scenario like uh some um choices in the dialogue they would be like oh you're a, a, a fierce fighter but like most people don't really <laughs> remember skies of arcadia for that they remember for the exploring aspects so right if you run away they would call you a coward in towns for like little dialogues but outside of that i don't think it was that big of a selling feature at least in my opinion so uh mm. so, so that's the hard part like i understand what they're trying to do and yes it care but at least it carries over to all three games like Shimyu, like we talked about three just kind of scrapped the whole idea and could they even do that where they like you upload your uh, dreamcast data and it just gives you the toys a lot of it were copyrighted right yeah i think so so it wouldn't have been able to happen so let's talk about the story for the game so uh mm -hmm. the first episode called god warrior of the kingdom the first game starts with you taking control of Symbios, a lord of Aspenian Republic. At the start of the game, your father, Lord Conrad, is sick. Uh, so you are sent to, to, uh, to do peace talks between the Republic and the Empire. Because, uh, because in the past, the Republic of Aspenia uh, used to be a part of the Empire of Destonia and succeeded after the War of Independence. So there's some background here. Uh, since this independence, tensions have been high on both sides with voter disputes, etc. But the peace talks fall through when a group of masked monks attack, which we later find out are part of the religious cult known as the Bolzum sect. They end up taking King Benetram, uh, ruler of Espania, and uh, Emperor D Dameric, Dameric, Emperor of Dystonia, 
Mm -hmm. After uh, you return to the conference uh, and they have uh, Demeric missing, it starts off full-on war. So Symbios and his crew are basically escaping and trying to chase chase, uh, down the evil sect to get answers and stop the war from continuing. Throughout your journey, you uh, you run into Me- Median, the youngest son of the of Emperor D- uh, Demeric, who is the main character of dun, 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 Scenario Two. So they do this thing where Scenario Two takes place like forty five percent through the game, first game. So like you see. The other side of the war, like the Emperor War, like him trying to, t- like you rebelling against your own army going, no, I, I know there's this issue. And then you see the other side doing the same thing, understanding that this war is not as simple as uh, that side did this. There's somebody else working in the background. So they do, mm-hmm. th- that's kind of what the, it's kind of like uh, Game of Thrones in a way where you see different scenarios, but in a more simplistic one two three scenario um mm-hmm. so the second scenario has you playing as median me dion median Medion. The, uh, the youngest prince of dystonia and while he is searching for his father he thinks there are other forces trying to keep tensions between espania and dystonia high the game mostly takes place during the same time as the first scenario but the point of view of the opposing army uh, median being the hero, the end of the second uh, scenario two has uh, both heroes facing to facing off against each other, but then a character named Julian interferes, which leads up to scenario three. Um, in scenario three, just like the previous scenarios, it starts off sixty percent from the events of the second scenario, but this one follows Julian and he, as he accompanies Gracia, the holy child of Albizium, uh, on an expedition to prevent Bolzum's reawakening. This leads him to reuniting the heroes of our last two scenarios and putting a stop between the War of the Republic and the Empire. So we got three different sides of the coin, three different heroes. Um, a lot of fans... Uh, that I read about kind of thought that the in, the game ended abruptly, which is crazy because the game is 130 hours long, which back in that day, that's a long, long game. Like, That's insane. I'm trying to think of like, sh- how, how long was like Final Fantasy 7? That one seemed like it was a lifetime when I was a kid, right? So I, I'm wondering how long that game was, so... Let me look hmm. real quick. Come on, give me. It says 33 and a half. Main story and side quest, 50 hours. So this game was almost three times the length. And I guess it makes sense. It's three disc. So back in the day, the idea of multiple disc games were huge, with Final Fantasy games raging to four disc. Even Shimu had multiple disc. While Shining Force 3 had you buy three separate games, which meant that to get the full experience you would end up playing paying the price of three full games what's your opinion on that like this is a 100 and what 100 and i don't know how much were sega saturn games like 70 bucks sometimes right they weren't 50 bucks like we yeah today yeah they were expensive they yeah. some of the premium ones i mean people now complain about 70 dollars games but like we we've had them in the past 
Um, right. And it was it was be- they were beefy games. Um, right. But yeah, I I'm not too bothered by the three. I mean, paying for three full games because you are getting a lot of gameplay there. Mm-hmm. Um, there are there are games where it's like most obviously they like stopped production after the game ended. A little time happened, and then they started up production on the sequel. Um, you know, like Shenmue to Shenmue Two, there wasn't that much downtime between them, but they were clearly two projects um, with with some carryover of of assets. But then you've got games like uh, Dot Hack. You know what I mean? Where it's just right. like the developers for that just kept working, and then when they were done with a the scenario, they'd put out a game and start on the next one. And I don't mind that. I'd like to see more of those types of games. I think it's kind of fun. It's almost like having a subscription. Right. Um, and I guess the equivalent of that nowadays would be like a DLC pass, you know, where it's like... But you don't see that with RPGs so much. You see it with mm-hmm. um, maybe MMOs, but mostly like racers and, and, and like online battle royale games. But it right. would be cool to be like, hey, there's a new Shining Force coming out. It's actually six games. They're coming out over the next two years. And if you, you know, drop the money now, you're going to get all the games as they release. I think that would be kind of sweet. Um, they, they did something like that, actually, with the Yakuza games. Remember when they were doing the uh, remasters? And you could, I think you could buy them before they came out, and then you would get them as they released or something like that. So. They they also did uh, extra scenarios for I guess DLC season passes with like other extras. They could have just done like mm. I don't know. I guess Sonic is kind of doing that with the free DLC. I like the idea of it being free, where you could come back. Um, I think it helps the game sell later on. But um, mm-hmm. as for the story, with seeing different perspectives, it's cool on paper. Like it kind of reminds me of a video game version of uh, kind of like uh, Game of Thrones, the books. But that one has like. Mm-hmm like 20 people's point of views but like uh sometimes revisiting uh aspects of the battle from another perspective was cool but they totally reused a lot of assets in these games which i don't mind because a lot of the idea behind the game is the strategy and the characters you meet during your journey so you'll meet this like really random character it's like I'm the governor of the city and I'm an elf that uh, is crippled or whatever. And you meet a story and then you do like a scenario to put them in your team. And I think that's where this game really shines is the adventure aspects of it, going and visiting these towns and then making, you know, the strategic fights. You spend hours uh, trying to figure it out, like they said in the uh, memories in the beginning. It takes a lot of time, these battles, but they're so fun. And the way the engine works is actually really cool so i think that's the story is is fine um i think that's the cooler aspect of these games um i also i'm i also like kind of like this is one of the higher budget srpgs at the time because if you look at final fantasy tactic which came out in 98 too uh it's Mm -hmm. more 2d it's like and they also have this weird like um where the world isn't a world, it's like a checkered. It's like you could tell like they try to make it look like a chessboard in a way, in a 3D chessboard, but the characters are 2D. Um, so they did a lot more in here, and then when you do the attacks, it's 3D, 3D. So I would give them credit for that. So they also hmm. released, in, in Japan only, a premium, di- a premium disc. 
The premium disc was given away to Japanese fans who had proof of purchase of all three scenarios. This would be kind of like, I don't know, I don't think we have an equivalent to it, but like, let's say they released three Sonic uh, Frontier games and like they're giving you away free DLC or whatever. Or I guess what they're doing now, right? The free DLC. But this is if you bought all three mm-hmm. scenarios. This was extra freebies for hardcore fanatics. Included bonus music, films, artwork and, that was used during the production of Shining Force 3. There was even an extra battle mode, which let you form a team of any 12 get uh, characters from the full game, any scenario. You could, put, you could pit them all together into a team. And fighting really challenging enemies. Uh, this sort of reminds me of Shimu's Passport Disc. But that one came with the game instead of asking you to mail uh, proof that you bought one and two. Um, Do you think more more companies should give out physical goods like this for players that support multiple releases? For example, if you own every physical version of Sonic Mania, what would be a good bonus for that? Uh, Knuckles Chaotix. Ooh, (laughs) I I think it like uh, just a little like... I think like like you know when we went to that party and they did a little USB with a bunch of assets. I think just giving you a USB a c- collectible USB would be pretty cool with like, doc- like whatever they used behind the scenes stuff, just stuff like that. I mean, it's gonna go on the internet anyway. But the idea of having the official little like care package, even if it's just a little tiny thing that they could ship out cheap, that would be pretty cool. I think. Um, I don't think there, has there been any other game that's ever done this before where like. You buy uh, all three Panzer Dragoon games and you get an extra disc. I don't know. That would be fun, but how would they track that? You have to like send in coupons or something. So, so in this one, they they would give you a every well in Japanese when Japanese Saturn games they give you the proof of purchase card. Remember uh, that you fill out and send it to Sega. If you if you send mm-hmm. all three of them, I think in an envelope, they would ship it to you. So we don't have I we we used to have that back in the day, but I, we don't have that now. Remember when Sega, when you buy Dreamcast games, they would have a perch, a little like slip that you could like a register card for each game. Do you remember that? Mm, I remember that. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they don't do that anymore, but they used to do that. They do that a lot Capcom in Japan. Capcom had, had a club. Yeah, they had a points club, which is cool because I always felt like mm-hmm. Capcom was so ahead of the of the curve with that kind of stuff, where they would. Um, they would basically let you like they they would literally be like hey be a fanboy of our games and buy all the games so you can get points and get free stuff. I always thought that was cool. I wish Sega did that more here in America. I know they did it in Japan a lot, not here though. So that's kind of uh, lame. Um, let's uh, talk about a little bit about the gameplay of this game. Shut oh man! I like how I'm putting the gameplay, but it's on the loading screen anyway. <laughs> Shining Force 3 really is, at least for me, the first time I played an SRPG with full, movable 3D camera, while the gameplay is your standard SRPG flair with grids on the floor to tell you how far your characters can move, taking turns like the previous Genesis Shining Force games, having higher detailed um, models when you attack, etc. Each character obviously has a class that determines their abilities, such as magic, archer, etc., which can be promoted uh, between levels 10 to 20, so you can change their classes. Uh, the goals of the battles are pretty simple. It's either kill all enemies, 
kill the enemy's leader or get to the landmark that's your goal like if your goal is to get out uh, like to the other side of the, of the field if you get to the other side of the field you can just win you don't have to actually fight all the time if the characters fight together, they develop a bond that gives them stat boosts when they fight near each other, which is another cool thing about this game. Well, I know you don't play a lot of SRPGs, since uh, uh, since you can see the gameplay in the background of this video. Uh, according to the team, the visuals are the best, bar none. This will repaint the history of Saturn RPGs. Uh, do you do you agree that visually, uh, Shining Force? repainted the history of Saturn RPGs because I sort of feel like uh, like Pen's Dragoon Saga is considered the top tier uh, mm. SR I mean RPG on the Sega Saturn like when people think of like the best of the best it's that right. one I think a lot of these RPGs kind of age badly in the way like even like when I go back and look at um, Final Fantasy 7 which is the highest budget RPG you know, for a long ass time, I'm like, damn, right. this is ugly as hell. Or uh, <laughs> even the Final Fantasy VIII. There's that meme, you know, where he's like, "Oh, you're so beautiful," and then they show you the face of the PS1 character, and it's like super ugly. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. What What do you think? Do you think it was just too early? Too early, or yeah, I, I think the Saturn was just in a weird place in general. Um, I don't think it was positioned in the West to become like an RPG powerhouse. Right. Uh, you know, even though it had some great RPGs, but I feel like that's what the PlayStation was becoming over here. Um, but yeah, I think maybe scarcity, price, whatever it is, or maybe just Sega um, not fully supporting Saturn is what really hurt the console. Uh, right. And, and games like Shining Force 3. One thing I've noticed is that like Final Fantasy Tactics and these other PS1 games, uh, Battle or Gear, uh, they get a lot of like praise from fans about like, oh, this is one of the best SRPGs. I think Sega fanatics are the ones that are usually uh, talking about Shining Force 3. That That's a weird thing, especially, I think another one's like Fire Emblem. Like, I think this game is like, was stuck with Fire Emblem, but the, but the only thing is that like lately, Fire Emblem kind of had a resurgence in fans because of the Smash Bros. Uh, entries, and then now people are actually buying the games they release here. But for a while, nobody knew what the fuck <laughs> Fire Emblem was. Like, back in the GameCube game, I think the the GameCube game sold 30,000 units or something crazy, and now they're selling millions wow. of units. So the idea that, like, I feel like Shining Force, while it actually sold more than uh, Fire Emblem at the time, has kind of waned in popularity because of how absent it's been. So, like, when people talk about the fa their favorite SRPGs, uh, Shining Force is probably not on the list because it's forgotten because it's been so long since it's been mm -hmm. relevant in, in, in gaming. And that sucks because it's like, yes, they might be... They might... I don't know if they repainted the history of Sega Saturn because they were, they were so... They were literally the last Sega Saturn game released in the West. So, like, it's already on the dead console. It's right. like the... I feel like uh, Sonic Adventure 2 had a bigger impact than this would have as of last big hurrah, right? 
Right. So that sucks because I think it's also because it's a niche genre in the West. Like, how many people played SRPGs in the West? I, I think even Final Fantasy Tactics didn't do that well, and Final Fantasy was huge. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the fan translation. Uh, this is actually one of the, I think, biggest projects in Sega fan history. Absolutely. Um, I think as Sega fans, we missed out on a lot of great games that stayed in Japan. We are living in a golden age of fan translations with huge projects we followed decades ago have already been released. Not only that, some of these releases actually go back and fix bugs and have proper support for these games. Uh, the incredible site, Shining Force Central, has been working on a translation since before Sega Bits was a thing, all the way before 2010. It's just that their blog only goes back to 2010. But they've been hiring people to translate or asking the community to help since 2010. Um, I, I for sure heard about it before the site was even launched. And uh, it was uh, and it's, was still a work in progress. And it's still it's, it's a work in progress right now. If you go on the website, I think I have it up right here. Uh, their last update was November 21st, 2022, where they released the patch for version 24. Uh, and they and they keep on fixing items, fixing bugs, uh, things that are... Uh, like, look how long this fixes. It's ridiculous. They yeah. fix translation issues that people have had with it. Um, do you remember all these updates coming, coming out of, uh, in the past regarding the Shining Force 3 translation project? Uh, have you been tempted to try to play the game now that they've actually, tran I guess, uh, they finally went and did the whole translation for all three scenarios, including the premium disc? And did you ever think this was actually going to happen, considering, <laughs> like, I don't know mm. how many hours of text they had to comb through and put into the game? Right, yeah, I remember hearing about this for a long time, and you know, there's been other situations where it hasn't happened in fan like, uh, man, what comes to mind? Um, Sega Gaga. Yeah, that's a big disappointment. I really wish that would get completed, but it just, I don't know where it's at. Um, that's the one I'd really, really like to play. This one, uh, see, I'd say I'm tempted, but I haven't even played the like original game you know so right. by that point you know i it's gonna take me a long time to even finish that one so i, I would yeah. say that that these games have like very minor connections and i think this one like i told you in the beginning of the podcast we recorded this is more of a sequel to uh shining wisdom on the on the on on the saturn and even mm. that tie-in is like one hero makes an appearance from the other game and it's like so minor that even if you didn't know it wouldn't even really ruin it for you so in my opinions playing two in this one shining force three is actually a lot better just the system is more um modern I i'm actually that's one of the things about the gameplay that in this game it's so how can i say it New SRPGs have more options, but they all kind of follow the same template that this game is. Like, I played... Uh, uh, what game did I play? I think it was one of the new Fire Emblems, and I was shocked at how, like, this one did... Like, outside of the graphics being outdated because Sega Saturn, how you could mm. still flip the camera, you still had the uh, rewind option to go backwards if you made a little mistake. I was just like, oh, yeah, no, this game is still... It's pretty ahead of its time, that's what I'm saying, in its system and how they made it, so... 
I would say if you had to play any of them to try this game with the fan translation and just play like, not even like maybe just 15, 20 minutes at a time, put it down like a book and then continue it until you uh, finish it. And if you get addicted to it, continue playing it. I think a battle will take you 20 to 30 minutes to be honest with you. So <laughs> um, yeah, but um, right. I didn't think they were ever going to finish this game, to be honest with you, because uh, it's such a long, like I said, it's 135 hours about, right? Imagine having to translate all that. And I don't even remember like 2010 or 11 where we were talking about uh, Yakuza 5 being the longest Yakuza game of all time that even Sega wouldn't translate it and then they officially translated it. So. Yes, we're living in a golden age of uh, translation projects, retro projects, even retro hardware projects. There's so many Ooh. retro things happening that is crazy, right? Like uh, somebody was showing me that they're they're trying to like make LCD TVs that play uh, 480p or 360, whatever, or 240p. I think that's what it is on Saturn. Right, right. Uh, to to mimic CRT TVs. So we're having this whole like I don't know. A bunch of old people like us, millennials with money, <laughs> and so people are making products aimed at our nostalgia, which is good, I think, for us. So um, let's talk about promotion for this game. Unsurprisingly, oh advertising for Shining Force 3 was weak. Japan had a couple of flyers, which in my opinion, that's still weak because uh, Japan was like the biggest market. Um, and an actual ad, they actually got an ad. And we actually seen the ad, but we'll, we'll see it right now again. In America, mm. we got one ad in the Electronic Gaming Monthly and a couple of, uh, and with a couple of other games. So let's look at the uh, Electronic Gaming Monthly ad. Um, let me see, where's my thing? Ah, oh, here it is. Oh man, I can't see the full picture on the, uh, I should have just downloaded the, the image. But uh, let me see if I could. Right. Is it the one of the front? Oh, yeah, okay. The one with the house? Yeah. So this, is, this is kind of a weak ad, right? It's not even a full... It's for two other games. Right. That's what I'm saying. Saga, which in my opinion should have its own ad. Because <laughs> I think that's like... When you t think about uh, legendary status of Sega Saturn games, I think Saga is probably number one. And then Shining Force 3 would be number two. But... It's so stupid. And it even says, the standoff continues. That's what it says. Uh, so they give you like little like t talks about each one. And it's it's very weak ad. I don't understand what the ad even... It says hard stuff on top. Sega hard stuff. Yeah, like a slogan this? they tried that just did not work out. Right. And like it's pretty weak because like what is this? Like what's this image that's taking up the whole picture? Like what is this supposed to be like? You, you're in your house playing Sega games so much that you let all your mail stack up? Pretty weak, right? Yeah, it's kind of... Yeah, and the dog is, like, starved. That's That wouldn't fly nowadays. People would be like, right. you're showing... like That's triggering. You're showing a dog dead. <laughs> which and is. Then, <laughs> and then we also, ha we also have these, like, Japanese flyers, which is just artwork, which I think... And also, this is cool, which is the uh, Sega Saturn uh, Japanese uh, catchphrase. They're kind of—I mm -hmm. mean, they're fine. Uh, they show you more gameplay in the back of the of the flyers, which is cool. They released one for each 
Shining Force games. So they also released one for Scenario 2 and the premium um, Scenario 3. And I think the premium disc got their own mock-up flyer. I don't know if that's a real flyer or, or they just made it for this website, uh, shinforce.com. Um, I, I don't know. It's just I think it's kind of weak that Saturn didn't have uh, at print ads. They had like flyers, mm -hmm. and I don't know how that works in Japan. I, I know Japan is more um, foot traffic, so you could hand these out to people and go to stores and pick them up. I do wonder how much they cost, though, <laughs> like as a collectible item. These little flyers, I bet you they're pretty expensive. I don't even think they come up. Have you ever seen them on eBay? Like no, I haven't. So that's interesting. But um, let me see. We also have the Sega Saturn ad. So this Sega Saturn ad is a, a Sega Don Sanshiro ad. We actually seen this one in our uh, Sega Don mm. Sanshiro Sega Talk episode. Classic. And we described it as not good <laughs> we said it, it, it was not a good representation of of i guess just not a good sega tansanshiro ad like we were we were just discussing um the best ads and this one was in the bottom tier so i guess we'll look at it and you can tell me why so yeah let's check it out again So it's almost like they could have made this about anything, kind of, right? Like they could have made this about they could have literally I like I feel like they, they filmed the commercial of Sagathon beating up these nightclub of people and then they just are like, We could use that one as a shining force. Uh, yeah, I it's not tied to the game. I think the idea was is that they were out at night having fun when they should be back at home playing Sega Saturn. But it could have been um, any game, like there's no But it like, could have actual, been any game, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So I feel like some of these were like throwaway ones, like there was a, the Sega one I guess could have been like the Sega Sega Racing was another one that did work with the kids because it's iconic because he's beating up kids. Um, there, but there was better ones where like it was him kicking the soccer. Remember, uh, I mean the baseball one, and it was a baseball game or whatever. I I don't know what they would have done for Shining Force Three. Like uh, a guy in armor, and then he just like starts or a bad guy, the monks in armor, and then he just beats them all up. Like he could take like it would be funny if he could take take infinite turns. Like it goes from him to an SRPG game and instead of like <laughs> having the little grid it's just like the whole map and he could run wherever he wants I guess would have been cool but it didn't it, it it's just whatever ad and you could right. tell that Sega kind of half-heartedly advertised this game and even in Japan even though they released all three scenarios over there so let's talk about the idea of making Shining Force 4 back in October 30th, 2017, Hiroki held a conference with Treasure Games president Mayasato Mayagawa and compile director Masamitsu Mu Nitani, where he discussed sales figures for the games, stated that he wants Camelot Software to create Shining Force 4. Mm. It has been five years since this news happened, and it hasn't happened, so probably not going to happen. 
So I, you know, I wouldn't hold my breath. But like I said previously, Camelot has only mostly worked with Nintendo since the fallout of with Sega, um, and they went on to create the very prof- profitable line of Sega's uh, Mario sports games, including golf and tennis. Then later. For the GPA, they made Golden Sun series, which a lot of fans know. Um, in 2007, though, they made We Love Golf on the Nintendo Wii with Capcom, which is actually kind of like an, a highly rated game. Um, for a group of people that are mostly known for their he- hardcore SRPGs for Sega fans, are you shocked that Camelot Software Planning mostly make mainstream-friendly golf games and tennis games now? That is odd. <laughs> right. And they're also known on their Wikipedia entry for creating uh, Waluigi. Oh, well, then there, there they go. That's their legacy. Not China, they're, of course. Right. And their legacy is making Waluigi, who I don't know if it was true, but I remember it was a meme saying that, like, Nintendo was, like, bringing out when uh, Mario Odyssey came out. Uh, Nintendo or somebody from Nintendo was, like, talking about weird, like, Mario nipples or whatever, right? Remember when that stuff was coming out? People were yeah, like, yeah. "Well, Luigi's uncircumcised." Like, what? Who says this? Is this is um, this an official Camelot bio? If Camelot says it, I believe it. If some stupid idiot that made Mario said it, I don't. I don't. It's not true. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Sega kept the Shining brand basically asleep from 1994 to 2002, which is not really that long in the grand scheme of things. With the and then with the release of Shining Tears, Shining Force Neo, Shining Force EXA, which is the last one I think to release in America for a while. I remember that one, like the one with the kid, with the silver and red striped hair, was EXA, whatever how you say it. And then mm-hmm. Japan's only, and then they were Japanese only, but uh, Shining Wind, etc., which featured new, more trend, trendy art styles and gameplay. Uh, so, what is your opinion on Sega's effort of milking the brand and taking it away from its roots? I, I mean, I'm not a fan of it. You know, we've seen situations recently where they try to take a franchise in a completely different direction from what it's... Be- like, there are games where I think the gameplay is more important to fans than the characters and story. And if you're going to throw something at them that's completely different, uh, either art direction-wise or gameplay-wise, they're not going to like it. And we've seen that with, um, uh, what was that, Valkyria Revolution? Remember that one? Right. Um, That was was a terrible game to begin with, so I would say, right? And then there was Sakura Wars, which wasn't bad, but it was like a different gameplay style, which was a little bit of a head-scratcher. Um but I think it works when it when it comes to like Yakuza because they were still making games in that style. You just had to like jump over to Judgment, you know, and right. then jump back in when Ishin comes out. So it's it's kind of odd that they were doing this um, a little more like anime. I don't really know what they call it, but it, it definitely doesn't look like Shining Force, the art they, style. They, um, they got like a new artist and. My my main issue with all these games is if you start looking at the artwork, they're all human, like, and they're all like really hot chicks, like they they're really <laughs> hitting up that fan base of those nothing people. Nothing wrong that, with that, George. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> nothing I get wrong it. With some hot chicks. 
But like, what about a hot orc or a hot centaur? Centaur, you know, like they they mm. would experiment. Like, there's penguin. You could you could recruit penguins in this game. Like, remember that what? uh, that I think it was a World of Warcraft uh commercial where it was like a hot orc and her like right. husband, right. like human husband. Right. And that definitely probably did something for some guys out there who were like, "This better not awaken anything in me," you know. <laughs> but. I- there was that game that was canceled. It was a Shining Force mobile game that was a free to play, but and but it had the original art art style, right? And it was like cell shaded. Remember that? Mm, I, they, they 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 remade Shining Force two, I think, on mobile. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I've seen that one yet. This one it was canceled. We only saw a few screens, I think. Mm. I would know. say uh, one of the closer ones to it is the one made by Grasshopper. Grasshopper Entertainment, the guys that did uh, No More Heroes on the Game Boy Advance, uh, Shining Soul. It's not perfect, but it's more of like a uh, you ever. It's like a top-down Zelda kind of like gameplay with an RPG system. But oh, that's interesting. It, it has more of a it has more of a feel like Shining Force, like the art style. The characters look like Shining Force characters. There's not there's some Wolfman. There's a little there's a vampire you could play as. Um, mm-hmm. And they even have that girl with the book in the beginning of the of the of the uh, like in every game. There's always that book girl that's like, "Oh, let me tell you a story," and then you start the game. So they brought aspects of the original one. So Shining Souls, in my opinion, has been the better one. It's sad that uh, we haven't gotten uh, another game that's kind of like the old games. I feel like there was uh, how can I say it. I don't know. There's something unique about it. It's like, it's like if Yakuza all of a sudden all of us like had a, a bunch of anime mm. girls with big old boobs and like the characters were all like stoic or something. Like, there's something about Yakuza. Actually, that's actually my problem with Ishin, right? Like, it's hard for me to get into Ishin because part of what I like about Yakuza games is how silly the characters are. Like these 40 year old men talking about friendships and like stuff that is for teenage games, but as adults. In this world with like homeless people and actual drama, I think it's there's something enduring about that. And uh, Ishin is like, oh, I'm a historical figure. I look like Kazuma, but I don't act like Kazuma. I'm a totally different character. So to me, it's like, oh no, I just wanted to play a samurai Kazuma game. Like I want to play as the characters that we know and love from the last five or six games, right? Yakuza games. So right. There's a little bit of that that's get. It's like it's kind of like that with these games. It's like. Why are you making this a babe simulator and all human? It's like you take away that aspect of, that I liked about these games where I could play as a penguin or a, or a goblin or a, uh, you know, centaur like we talked about in the past. So I want to see more of that. It doesn't have to be an SRPG. It could be an action RPG if it's done correctly. Um but Sega, I think, is a little bit done with SRPGs. I feel like Valkyrie Chronicles 4 has failed. We're not going to get another Valkyrie Chronicles, Chronicles game anymore. And then that uh, Sakura Wars, they tried to make it into an a- action RPG, and I don't think it sold that well. So do you think we will ever see Shining Force 4 with Camelot? Uh, never say never. I mean, Sega's current higher-ups they seem to want to please fans so i i could see them maybe attempting to return to the well it helps that the games aren't super connected you know right. um so they don't need to 
release one through three again, even though I'd love to see that. I think, though, the numbering would drop. Uh, it just wouldn't make sense to title it four when they are disconnected. I think, what was another one that came out recently? Um, that Code VFD, remember that one? Right. Um, and that, that was, was numbered, stu- and it was it stupid. was odd. Yeah, it was yeah. odd because we never got one, two. And it was weird because the, I think there was like four games released. So it's like, I think it went like, what was it? Uh, fuck, now I remember. I forgot the name of the game. Uh, what's it? Uh, God, it was, dude, writing about that game, uh, Dragon. Seventh Dragon. Se- okay, so it's called Seventh Se- Dragon. First of all, it sounds like the seventh game of a game. So there was but Seventh, it's seventh Dragon. Dragon 3. <laughs> and then there was Seventh Dragon 2020, Seventh Dragon 2020 Part 2. And then maybe like another one, and then it was uh, that third code VFD or whatever, and it was like, uh, what is going on here? Yeah, it's but, super confusing. And and the original Seventh Dragon, it yeah, it never released over here, but it was cool because it was a um, Reiko Kodama produced right. game with uh, Yuzo Kishiro music, but yeah, it was just kind of odd. So I I don't think it's smart to release a game. Um, that either didn't have past ones released in the West or just such a long gap between them to give it a number, it, it would be a bad decision. I think uh, they should just call it maybe something like Shining Force Reborn or something like that because one thing I'm, I'm getting a little tired of developers doing is just calling it God of War. It's like, bro, you had God of War on PS2. Now when I'm talking to people about the game, I'm like, they're like, God of War on the PS4 or PS2? And it's like... I don't. Why do you have to do this? Like, why do you? Can you just give it a, a, its own unique name? And now they just announced Mortal Kombat One. Did you see that? Yeah, that's weird. That, <laughs> that like, Battlefield oh. did that too. I'm like, stop doing this. Now I don't know. So when I talk to people, hey, have you guys played Mortal Kombat One? I think most people, like before the announcement, would think of uh, the Genesis slash arcade slash whatever uh, iconic games. And now they're like, oh, one. No, I mean the new one. It's like the new mm. one that just got announced. It's too much. I don't know. I hate it because especially as a blogger, it's just like it just makes me upset visually. Like, I, can you imagine? It's like when they made Sonic the Hedgehog, the 2006 one, obviously. Like, that just upsets me. Why? Huh. Don't ever do that. Don't ever no. do that. Can you imagine Sonic Frontiers just being called Sonic the Hedgehog again? So now we have three Sonic <laughs> the Hedgehogs. Please stop. No. Well, Sakura Wars did it, kind of. And I, don't, and I don't like it. I don't think it's good. Just call it something. Like, give it a title. Like, uh, Sakura Wars Sonic Chronicles. One. Right. So, <laughs> something. Just give it one. Uh, just a name. I think Sonic did it right with Forces and all the other stuff. It's like, cool, if you want to keep it separate so people don't think it's a sequel, I'm okay with that. Just give it its own name in the end. So... That's all I have to say about Shining Force. If they do make a new one, it doesn't have to be four. As long as it's an SRPG and it has the same vibe as the old ones with a new system and all that stuff, just call it. don't call it Shining Force. Call it Shining Force Reborn, Shining Force Return, whatever. But yeah. Something. So, anything you want to add before we close up this episode? Uh, no, I'm... I'm... Though I guess we should really eventually cover the original Shining Force. It seems weird to do two and three <laughs> and never cover one. Um, 
but we'll beat the see. game when you beat the game the first one then we'll cover it how many hours okay. does it have i don't think it's that long actually so is it one hour because that's the time i have <laughs> Oh, uh, well, I mean, multiple gameplay sec- sessions would probably work, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I only see two on here, but oh, well. So, is there any Patreon memories? There are. There are. So if you support us on Patreon at any level, you can leave your memories. We will read them at the end, unless you're the picker. The picker. And then we'll read it at the beginning. And we gotta do Boogerman some sometimes so we can make a lot of like Patreon picker jokes. Ooh, yeah. Um So we've got Daniel Andres saying, Darn, I've got nothing to say on this one. I still need to play it. And then we have Ando saying, And this is one of the last Saturn games to come out in Europe. I obviously had to have it, so my dad drove to the only store we knew that still bothered stocking new Saturn releases and grabbed a copy. When I popped it into my Saturn, I was hit in the face with a wall of text I couldn't understand because I was 10, <laughs> German, and didn't yet speak enough English oh. to figure out what was going on. After button mashing past all the initial cutscenes, I was then hit in the nuts with the combat system I didn't understand because I had never played a Shining Force game or any other SRPG before. Needless to say, I was in over my head, but I loved the graphics and music, and since then, I've, of course, grown to appreciate... Uh, the game and the entire series, original series. Shame that the Shining franchise mutated into whatever it is today, especially considering the recent success of Fire Emblem games. The original Shining Force series is way overdue for a revival, but then again, which classic Sega franchise isn't? That's true. And uh, that did you ever true. do that early on when you uh, played like RPGs? Like, skip? Because like, I was always used to arcade games, so I always would skip, like... Sometimes uh, dialogue, I'm like, blah, 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 get to the gameplay. Skip, 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 skip. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've done that. I've done yeah. that. <laughs> so, next time on Seeker Talk, we are going to be discussing The Ring, Terror's Realm for the Sega Dreamcast. It, uh, it's going to be interesting. Is it based on pick. the movie? So... Well, we'll get into it, but it's it, it's based on the novels. It's very okay. interesting because it it's based on the novels, and there was a Japanese film that came out in 1998, but the game's not based on the film, and it came out before the American remake. So it's it's a very strange sort of situation. Think of it like the, the Harry Potter games for PlayStation 1 before the movies came out. Okay. And it's like... All the characters look weird, and everything looks different. <laughs> right, right. All so right. Uh, that'll that'll be a fun one. So burn a disc, burn a disc, or hit up eBay and try to get one, um, and get spooked out by the ring, terrors realm. Next time on Sega Talk. Bye. 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 You did Bye. it. You did it.